Hello, my name is David Dylan Thomas. Welcome to the Cognitive Bias Podcast. Uh, today we're going to talk about congruence bias. And congruence bias is a lot like confirmation bias. It's almost like a subsection of it, I guess. But um, it's really about how we're really bad at testing hypotheses other than the one we've already locked into, right? So if you're looking for your keys and you're convinced they're, you know, in the downstairs key bowl and they're not there, somehow, even though you start to search the rest of the house, you keep coming back to that key bowl because you're like, I know it's there. I know it's there. And you just keep coming back. You refuse to test the other hypothesis, right? So one of the um, examples we talked about last week with the uh, the 246 uh, is very much like this. So let's say I tell you that uh, I'm thinking of a sequence of numbers and it starts 246. What's the next number? Right, and you'll guess eight, or you'll guess you know that it's always about um, ascending by two, right? And even if after I tell you that that that's wrong, what you'll do is you'll rephrase it and you'll say, well, um, adding two every time, or um, one plus one every time, right? Um, because once you lock into a theory, it's really hard for us to think about alternative theories like, oh, maybe it's just an increasing number, right? That the next number has to be higher. So I'll say actually the next number is seven. Um, and so the the thing that we have to do to kind of combat this is to uh, really think about what are those alternative theories, right? So if I have it in my head that all Trump supporters are racists, um, the thing I really need to do rather than keep going out and looking for examples in the news of, oh, there goes another hate crime based on Trump, right? I need to be you know aware of those things, but uh, the thing I need to be really thinking about is, well, what, what could I find that would prove that I'm wrong? Like, are there examples that I can seek out of Trump supporters who are actually being tolerant, Right. Um, and as it turns out, you know, when I went looking for stuff like that, I found that there are Trump supporters out there. There was one who was an Iranian uh, refugee uh, living in America um, uh, who was a woman, right? So all these different – ticking all these boxes that apparently, you know, that, that Trump clearly has demonstrated hate for, but she was in support of Trump because he was hard. She, she saw him as being tough on uh, ex- Muslim extremists, right? And in fact, she was uh, – thought it was really important that he used the word Muslim, right? So – that was a Trump supporter. Um, but the, uh, and that actually, when you really think about it, makes a lot of sense because most of the uh, victims of terrorism are, in fact, other, other Muslims. Um, so, in a way, it makes sense that she'd be looking for a strong man, right, who's sort of coming out and saying, no, I'm going to fight these people. So, that isn't exactly an uh, example of finding a tolerant Trump supporter, but certainly finding an intersectional one, right? So it's already sort of challenging my hypotheses about Trump supporters. So it's stuff like that, right, that we have to sort of at least try to figure out. Um, And on the other end of the political spectrum, Aziz Ansari said something really um, insightful in his SNL monologue, where he was talking about reports in the news of, you know, you'd see uh, a terrorist uh, incident and uh, terrorist attack of some kind, and then you'd see, um, you know, a brown face as behind that. And he was saying, like, wouldn't it be great if the news then cut to, and here are two uh, Muslims just uh, hanging out in New York, like, uh, eating a hot dog, you know, like, sort of some, like, counter examples to show you, like, the, if the only uh, Muslim faces you see are terrorist ones, you're going to assume that all Muslims are terrorist, and then that's your hypothesis, and you never test the opposite hypothesis, which is that they are not. Um, so it's a really difficult trap for us to fall into, but it's a really important trap for us to avoid because it leads to. Um, all sorts of things. So, you know, getting to know people, traveling, these things are really important to start start to combat this stuff. Um, I think a really good example, a way to think about this, is if you ever watch the TV show House, um, every other, like, plot point is, you know, they do some sort of test to uh, to rule out 
uh, you know, it's not lupus, it's not this, it's not that. They, they figure out a thing that they think it might be, and then instead of trying to test for that thing, they actually try to do as often as not a test that will prove that it's not that thing, right? So that they can whittle down to the real thing, rather than keying in on it's got to be this, it's got to be this, and then they just keep testing for that over and over again in different ways. Um, you see this in criminal law all the time when um, the police might have one particular theory of the crime and they keep trying to prove that that's true while the real you know, culprit goes free, right? Like that they, they aren't actually even testing for uh, maybe it's this other alternative theory of the crime. Um, a really good phrasing of this I saw was uh, someone tweeted, um, I keep watching every Marvel movie waiting for it to be the bad one. I keep watching every DC movie waiting for it to be the good one, right? <laughs> so they actually are testing the opposite hypothesis. Like they want to believe the next one's going to be something different rather than just deciding. Um, it's one way all the time. Um, so uh, a really good phrasing around this, um, an article that Esther Inglis Arkell wrote for io9 on the topic, uh, she used the phrase, we can't find the real solution because we're not looking for it. And I feel like that, you know, as a society, that's often our problem. It's not that the real solution is, you know, so elusive, which it may very well be, but we don't even get started on that hunt because we're not really looking for the solution. We're just looking to feel good about ourselves and the guesses we make, right? You know, it's sort of, we, we like to think that our first guess is the right one, um, and we exhaust a lot of energy, waste a lot of energy just trying to prove ourselves right instead of actually trying to find the answer. And I think, feel like that's the challenge for us you know, as a generation, as a society, is to actually put effort into finding the solution, not put effort into making ourselves feel good. Um, another good example of this is uh, the gateway drug theory, right? That pot was a gateway drug. And they found enough evidence to say, oh, these people who are doing heroin, they started out with pot, not realizing that even more of them started out with cigarettes. So um, so anyway, uh, you know, something to think about. Um, that's all for this week. Uh, this is David Dolan Thomas with the Cognitive Bias Podcast. We'll see you next time.